Happy Sabbath and Happy Lunar New Year. I think today we have a lot less people for a few reasons. Some people are suffering from, I ate too much last night, I can't come to church today syndrome. There are some who are the, I have so many families I have to visit today, I have to start early syndrome. And then there are the, unfortunately, this we really have to pray for, the I am so scared of the Wuhan virus, I'm not coming to the church and Uncle Kai will just sneeze. <laughs> but let's pray because it is a worrying and there are people suffering. Let's pray for them. But I'm glad you're here today as a church, as a community. And I share with you when I was in, in Portland for my studies, people were saying, you know, um, oh, our church is really diverse. That's like three groups of people, four groups of people. And then like, James, how many do you have? I'm like, 23? Like, this is awesome that even on, on, on Chinese New Year, there's still a lot of us here who are just different cultures celebrating the time together. But all the more, the Sabbath, I think, is the time where we come together to celebrate that we're now the family of God. So before we go there, let's make some announcement. 8th of February, all baptized ASDAC members are invited to come for the church business meeting. Right, church business meeting where we'll discuss some of the, the financial plans and we'll make some reports about what we're going to do and what we're gonna, we have done in 2019. So 7.30 and 8 of February, right here for church business meeting. And on the 22nd of February, we're not going to just celebrate Chinese New Year by ourselves. We're going to bring the joy and the happiness to the, the folks at Westside Dormitory. So we're again going back to check up on them and see how they're doing in their health and all that. So we need volunteers to come along with us to, to conduct this Chinese New Year checkup and celebration with them. So if you're interested, please sign up with Siva or myself, okay? And next week, next week I have a very special family coming. I knew them when I was studying in Andrews, and they were not married. Uh, and I went to their wedding, and usually when you get married, you go away in your bridal car. They were really cool, man. After the wedding, they flew off in a bridal plane. Yeah, so um, the, the girl's dad was a missionary pilot, and he flies to islands to evangelize. And so uh, they are coming. So they, they are professional physiotherapists who worked in the U.S., but then a couple years ago, three years ago, in fact, they decided they want to give God some time of their life. So the whole family, uh, except for the youngest one, she was born in, in, in Guam, the whole family moved to Guam uh, as missionaries. And so they went there and they've been living there for three years, the little one was born there, Tessa, and they will be here in Singapore. And they'll be taking the Sabbath school program, sharing about their experience there, and they will also be, be taking the sermon next week. So if you have friends who you think will be interested, invite them to come next Sabbath. Uh, Justin, Sherry, Alina, Tessa, Kim will be with us. So we're still on the theme of missional church. We're talking about the church identity, our church purpose. And today, I'm going to talk about getting married. All right, how many of you have already done this more than once? Really? Yeah, yeah, I know some of you, yeah, some of you. My sister was telling me last night that, you know, after she starts work on Monday, she's going to at least have it, do it once per day for the next seven days because she has so many uh, meetings um, prepared. I did my first last night. I, I'm just starting. Uh, for those of you who are really sad that we don't have fellowship lunch today, don't be sad. As that always makes up for it. Next Sabbath, 
Next Sabbath fellowship lunch, you'll be ready. Right? We will we'll celebrate Chinese New Year. It's still Chinese New Year next week. So come and we have fellowship lunch. And uh, the thing, oh, sorry. The thing you notice that this dish by itself separately is really boring. You have slice up carrots. Slice up weird green stuff. <laughs> it's actually pomelo. And then you got like radish and like crispy biscuit stuff, and then you get like salmon, and like by itself, it will not taste awesome. But what makes it awesome is of course, you don't throw all the food onto the floor as you're tossing it, but then when you toss it together, you mix the, all this, the juice together, when you combine everything, it becomes the dish that is supposed to be. Yu sheng, or somebody calls it lo hei, right? It by itself is just a plain old vegetable. But when you mix it together, you become this awesome salad that people don't know about that we enjoy during this time of the year. And like the church, we may individually be various part of this yusim. And unless we come together, we will not become the body that God's designed for us to be. You will notice that as you go around Singapore, that is really red. Um, today, even church is really red. A lot of people wear red. It's a color that is really popular um, during Chinese New Year because it's a favorite or the, the symbolic color for the Chinese people. You, know, you go outdoor is red. You go indoor is red. The, the, the lantern's red. The table's red. The food is red. The shoes is red. Everything's red. <coughs> I went to look at why do Chinese like the color red so much. And man, there was actually three dissertation, PhD, written on it. I'm like, wow, really? I'm not the only one asking this question. And I was just reading through for fun. Yeah, I don't know why people read dissertation for fun. But I was reading through, and then one thing that caught my eye is this is really interesting. It said, apart from symbolizing passion, energy, enthusiasm, excitement, love, it also, the color red, fits the Chinese skin very well. It makes Chinese look better. I don't know why. It's just one of the things that people have to have aligned themselves naturally with things that adds to them. One thing that we also do with the color red, traditionally, is during wedding. During wedding, people wear red. Uh, Tiffany did wear red on the wedding, and it's, it's, it's bringing us to the theme today as we talk about the missional church. God describes the church as the body, but He also describes the church as the bride. So what does God mean when He describes us as the bride? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 24. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 24. What is He trying to tell us as a church? What is he trying to help us understand when he says that the church is also his wife? Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. A lot of husbands really like this verse, but they don't read on. For the husband is the head of the wife, a lot of husbands are like, see, I'm the head. But most husbands knows that we're the head, but the wife is the neck. Even as Christ is the head of the church, 
his body and is himself its Savior. 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit everything to the husband. I'm not talking about husband and wife relationship today. In fact, I think this verse was using the husband and wife relationship to help us understand God's relationship with the church. That is the focal point and not the interaction between a husband and a wife. So it says first that the, the wife should submit to the husband as the church should submit to God. You know, the Bible only brings out stuff that we have problems doing. It doesn't need to mention stuff that if we are naturally inclined to do it. The Bible doesn't have to tell us, go sin. We'll do it anyway. Like, nobody has to tell James, go eat. I will look for food. It's natural. But then the Bible says, do not be a glutton. That was for me. And the Bible also tells us that we must submit as a church body to Christ. Why? Could it be that as a church that we often ignore God? Isn't it ironic that the church who is calling itself the representation of God very often refuse to submit ourselves to God? That we aim to do things our way. That we aim to grow in numbers, in our programs, in our activities because for ourselves, not for God's sake. So God has to specifically tell His church, remember who I am. And the scripture reading we read today that God goes as far as saying that I am jealous for you. I don't want you to, to focus on any other thing but me. But as a church, we have the tendency to be distracted. Many of us come together to church not for God, but for my example, I went to church for many, many years because it was habit. I came to church because that's what I've always done in my life. Nobody has like, told me that there's an alternative until I realized there was at 14 years old. And some of us just made it a part of our life because that's what we've been doing all our lives, but we're not here to connect with God. It's just that if I don't go to church on Saturday morning, I don't know what to do with myself. I remember last time when I was in secondary school, I liked to, <coughs> okay, I don't like to. Occasionally, I will skip school. Occasionally. Different excuses. One of the best excuses you can do is you have a migraine. Nobody can check or prove migraine. And back then, school was more lax. Even migraine, you have a letter from your parents, you get the day off. And so there'll be days I wake up and I really don't feel like school. My teen class knows about this. I don't like to go to school. I don't feel like going to school and I go to my mom. Oh, man. Oscar. Oh. Oh, mom. Oh. <laughs> and mom, oh, you okay? Migraine. Mom writes a letter and I don't have to go to school. And then you know what happens? So I'm so happy for like five minutes, I don't have to go to school. I sleep some more, and then I, I wake up, it's like 10 o'clock, like recess time at school, and I get bored. Because all my friends are at school, and we don't have 
We don't have phones then. I don't even have a pager. You can't contact anybody. You know what I did? I ended up walking to the block outside of school and just look at my friends during recess. So sad, right? (laughs) But some of us are like that. We come to church because we don't know what to do. And the other side, if there's something to do, we'll be tempted not to come to church. But church is not, not just for gathering, for friends. It is a great community. But church ultimately is about Jesus. And when you come to church, you're here to connect with Jesus. And coming to church is not just about 11.30 to 12 o'clock on Saturday. It is more than that. Being a part of the church is an identity we have to accept, embody daily in our lives. This is the gathering of the church, but you do not cease to be the church when you leave. Like the wife doesn't cease to be the wife when she goes on a holiday. The wife doesn't cease to be the wife when she leaves the house. That identity continues to be a part of her. And God says the church is the bride of Christ. Once you're married to Jesus, that's your identity no matter where you are, what you do, what time of the day. And that brings us to this Colossians verse that is written by Paul in his letters to the church. He wrote to the church of Ephesus and says, You are, you are the bride of Jesus. Submit to him because that is your husband. And then in Colossians, describing the church that if they do that, this is what will, what will be seen by others. Colossians 3, chapter 12. If you don't know where it is, it's Ephesians Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Put on then is something that we have to wear, like the, the, the wedding gown that the bride puts on to represent her status on that day that she is the bride. It says, Put on then, in verse 12, God's chosen one. See, God didn't accidentally marry the church. God didn't wasn't forced into this marriage with the church. God chose to be the husband of this church. In fact, the previous passage we read, He gave His life in order to be the husband. Verse 12, Colossians, of chapter 3, Colossians. Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved. Do you realize that you have not done anything yet? God already caused you that. God calls His bride the holy and the beloved before He even states their behavior. As Christians coming to church, we often think that God accepts us, considers us holy and beloved and accepted by Him if we do this, 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 that, 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 that. But no, the status of the bride doesn't come with, okay, because Tiffany does the dishes, she is my wife. No, that's called washing machine. Oh, dishwasher, sorry. Right? It's not like that. Tiffany gave me Lucas, so she's my wife. Wow, that is... Mm-mm-mm. That's called baby-making machine. That's not called a wife. The wife's identity that they have when we got married. The other things are good to have. Right? It's great. You know, we have all those stuff. Wonderful. But it's based upon the very foundation of the identity that now she's the bride. So as the church, we must first acknowledge why are we the church? Because we are the bride 
of Jesus Christ. Then everything follows. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. We often think these are reserved for other people outside of the church, but I suspect that those qualities that's been mentioned here is required between us. That we have to be compassionate towards one another before we can be compassionate to those who are outside. We need to have shown kindness to one another before we can show kindness to those who are outside. We need to be humble before one another before we can be humble before those who are not part of us. We need to be meek and patient, bearing with one another, And if one has a complaint against another, see, the Bible states the fact it is going to happen. We are going to have complaints against one another. How many of you don't fight with people? I I, I grew up fighting with my sis and my brother every single day. If I don't fight, I can't sleep. (laughs) Has to be one of them. Problem of the middle child. Fight up, fight down. Gang out with the brother, fight sister. Gang out with the sister, bully little brother. Life. I've asked for forgiveness from them. (laughs) But even as a family who, who grew up together, like me and my brother have to share the same bed for like 10 years, still fight. Hey, you take too much space. Now you take too much space. I'm going to lie on top of you. And then it's like, mommy, we fight. We're family. We stay in the same bed. He sounds like me. I sound like him. We still fight. And imagine a church coming together from diverse culture, diverse background, in a community together, locked in a room for 30 minutes at a minimum every Sabbath. We're going to (laughs) fight. But say, the Bible says, when you fight, Forgive each other. Forgive each other. Why? As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. This is not the first time we've heard this. Jesus in the Lord's Prayer says that. Forgive one another for the Lord has forgiven you. When we realize our status, we realize who we are and how, how we became the bride is through the blood, the grace, the love, the forgiveness of Jesus. It's very hard to be upset with one another because we know who we are and we know who they are. And there are often times that I was like, man, what's that person in church? I'm like, that person could be thinking the exact same thing about me. Why am I in church? When I realize who I am, and who that person is also a redeemed child of God, I can forgive because I have been forgiven. And above all, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Harmony doesn't come by us trying. It doesn't happen by us wanting it. It doesn't come by us just holding our anger and burying it in our hearts. No, it comes by love that is put upon us by God. It's a gift from God to us to have that love, 
that will result in the harmony of our community. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. The true bride of Christ, having forgiven, having bore one another's burden, having allowed His love to tie us together. See, that, that's like me. <laughs> like you, to allow the love of God to tie us together, we will have the peace in our hearts with one another. And so if you come to church Sabbath after Sabbath and you feel that you don't have peace in your heart, let's go to Jesus and say, God, why don't I have that peace? Is there something I need to do? Is there somebody I need to talk to? Is there somebody I need to forgive or ask for forgiveness from? That's what we need. And let the word of Christ, verse 16, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And the power that's going to drive this connection, this understanding of love of God cannot be separated from the word of God, which is what he's trying to communicate himself to us. The promises from the Scripture is going to be what's going to help you when you don't feel like it. And whatever you do, verse 17, in word or deed, it's like the final, final charge. Do everything, everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Jesus has to be the beginning, the center, the end, the foundation, the covering of this church. Because we are the bride of Christ. See, the Swiss watch is very intricate, very complicated. And for a person who's looking at it from the outside, it's like, I don't know what's going on. People say, look at the number of jewels. I, I can't see all the jewels. What are the jewels there for? I learned later that it's to prevent like, friction and stuff. And I'm like, wow, really? But this whole thing is meaningless by itself. As individual, they are just gears and metal pieces and jewels and screws. But the beauty of this is when they are put together carefully by a craftsman, they become an amazing thing called a Swiss watch. For those who know, this is a Patek Philippe. And the Patek Philippe slogan is, you never own a Patek Philippe. You're just holding it on for the next generation. So intricate, so beautiful. By coming together, these random pieces of metal becomes a watch that not only just exists as a watch, but it tells us something very important that we need daily, time. Because what is time? Time is a countdown of our meaningless life. And until you realize that time is passing, you will not put meaning to it and live meaningfully every day. So as a church, individually we are just people. We are non nonetheless child of God, 
But if we ever want to be the church of God, we have to come together. Different. And that's wonderful. Come together, to work together, to represent Jesus in His entirety because it's going to take all of us to represent Jesus to the world. So as that, what the Scripture says is non-negotiable because I didn't say it. Scripture said it. But it seems very unattainable. It's too difficult, Pastor. We can't do it. And it's true. It is not attainable by own effort, by own trying. It's imputable. That only God can put it upon us and help us become His bride. May we consider this as we go around this Chinese New Year season, as we celebrate, as we lohei more, many more times. Every time you look at the Yusen, you're like, man, that's the body of Christ, the church of God and comes together to create this wonderful dish. Amen.